God bless everybody this morning. I appreciate the church here. This church has been supporting us for quite a while now, and I sure appreciate that very much. Uh, I think it was probably at least 10 years that this church has been supporting us, so we, we appreciate that. I, I know I've, I've been doing this work since 99, so you guys have helped us quite a bit with 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 uh, projects that I've had in the past and and support and prayer. We appreciate that. Uh, we I do work like among Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, groups of that nature. But I, I do I deal with other groups as well. But these two groups tend to be pretty. These are the two groups that I deal with the most because these are the ones who come to your door. And I used to be a Jehovah Witness myself, so this. That's why these two groups are, 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 I meet with Jehovah's Witness and Mormons every week and things like that. I uh, Basically, I do my work, uh, this ministry, in three different ways. One way is, the main way is that I do seminars in local churches, equipping local churches on what do Mormons believe, what do Jehovah's Witnesses believe, what to, what to say when they come knocking at your door. I think it's kind of a big need for that because a lot of people don't understand what these groups believe and they don't know what to say at the door. So that's where I try to come in and try to to, to, to help with that. Uh, a second way that I do is that I do uh, debates in universities with cult apologists, with Mormon uh, representatives, Jehovah Witness representatives. I do debates. Before COVID, I was doing five or six a year and now it's kind of starting to come back up and starting to do these debates again. And the third way that I do is that I <clears throat> meet with Jehovah Witness and Mormon families every week. Uh, during the week, I have six Bible studies going on per week with Mormon families, Jehovah Witness families that that have questions. And maybe maybe in the start, they try to try to witness to me, and then it kind of opens the door for me to to challenge them. And then it becomes me just kind of leading the Bible studies and meeting with them and things like that. Last week, we led a Jehovah Witness family to Christ. Uh, that that we've been meeting for like seven months now. So it, uh, and it was in Utah for, which is weird that, cause that's this in Utah. You wouldn't think that, but, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of what, what we do, uh, meet with Jehovah witnesses. I basically sleep, eat cults. That's all I do. That's pretty much what I do every day of my life. Uh, that's what I do. But, uh, last time that I was here, you guys had helped me with a, uh, CD project that, that, uh, that you guys have uh, really helped me tremendously with that. You know, I, I had recorded a CD that it's just a five-minute CD that I recorded on uh, a, a gospel message for Mormons in a way that they could understand. And basically, it's like the Philippian jailer story where he asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And I talk about that and what, what they must do to be saved. And what did Paul answer to his question and what, it, what does the Mormon church answer to that question? They're very different. So I deal with that on the CD. But it's just a basic CD. But uh, I remember the first time I did that, I had never been to a Mormon general conference before. And I didn't have any clue, you know, how many people would be there. And uh, this is in Salt Lake. They do it twice a year, April and October. They can't do it just once because there's just too many of them. They won't fit in their big conference center there in, in Temple Square, Salt Lake. And I, first time I recorded like 5,000 CDs, and I had a duplicator, and I just kept doing one by one. And man, it took me months to do that. But I finally came up with like 5,000 CDs, 
and put the sticker on them with my phone number and everything for additional questions. And I went there for the first time, and I thought, man, this is a lot of CDs I brought, 5,000. Well, I get there, and there's like 100,000 people. And I'm like, whoa, this is... So I'm there handing out CDs, and they're just taking them as I'm handing them out as they're going to their conference. And, uh, well, like, it wasn't even noon yet. I ran out of CDs. And it's like a five-day conference. And I'm like, oh, man, what do I do now? So basically, I just, I said, well, I'm going to hang out here the next few days and just witness to Mormons and talk to them and share with them. Well, the next day, I kept getting phone calls on my cell phone with uh, Mormons who had gotten a CD. And they would tell me things like, yeah, are, you, are you still at the conference? Uh, we got a CD yesterday. We have some questions for you. Said, yeah, so, so I basically stayed that whole week. I remember the first time I met with 15 families. And, and uh, I met with a lot more, but 15 of them really, I met with them two, three times. They stayed an additional week. Well, these 15 families gave their life to Christ uh, that, that first time I did that. Then I did it the second year, and that second year, these 15 families were there with me handing out CDs and, and, and helping me. And that's just been going on ever since. And then I came here, and you guys started helping me uh, with the CD project, and it's just, it's just amazing. I just got back from Utah uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was over there because I went in April, and there was about seven families that I didn't get to meet that called me after I was already back home. So I said, I'll go back. And so we, we met there, these 15 families. And now there's uh, 22 families that were there helping me with the CDs. And so I have been, these families have been meeting with them. And uh, we FaceTime with these 22 families once a week. I FaceTime with them. And they tell me, oh, we've been challenging this other Mormon family. And we've gotten this other family saved. And we, so this, it's just kind of been doing really well, really well. It's just amazing. And uh, I'm going again in October. October will be their biggest one ever uh, because, because of the COVID. Uh, this April one was, was big, but wasn't that big. But this April one, that's usually their bigger one. So uh, or October, October will be their, it'll be a huge uh, uh, presence there with Mormons. And so I'm, I'm going to have 22 families helping me pass out CDs and stuff. So, so they've already gotten a week off of work and stuff to be able to help me there so that's kind of our next project and i mentioned i say this just because if you want to continue to help me with that because i i have about eight thousand cds right now roughly that that but it's not going to be enough for i'm going to have you know 22 families helping me so i'm going to divide cds to all these 22 families so they could go to be at different parts of the conference uh area so they could hand out CD. So uh, I basically need probably about 5,000 more CDs at least. But uh, if you'd like to help me, let me know. The offering that I get for today will be totally used towards that. I have a, I have kind of an issue with my vehicle all of a sudden the pasture, but I, I'm going to use this for the CDs because this is really uh, my, uh, I think this would be more important, but I have uh, I get the CDs made now somewhere else in Mexico because I get them made cheaper. I get them made for 67 cents a piece. So, so pretty cheap, 67 cents. And they actually burn the image on the CD instead of like a sticker. So it, and they put them on a the sleeve and shrink wrap them. And so they look really well, better than, I just had a jewel case and I just 
has an amount and it had just, so these would be way, way better. So if you'd like to help me, let, let me know after the service. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping I could get before October at least 5,000 more CDs. So uh, if you'd like to help, please let me know. This this will be a, one of the biggest conference yet. So I'm, I'm hoping I can take a whole bunch of, of CDs for that. But uh, please let me know. But uh, give me your Bible. Uh, I'd like to share with you some things that I've been uh, thinking about this past week as I was in Utah, I was also in the evenings thinking what to talk about tonight or, or this morning here. And I just jotted down some notes. I would jot when I was praying. And and it'll be Genesis chapter 3 that I'll be reading from. It'll be a short verse. But I was also thinking this morning about, you remember Noah and the the flood and the Bible says that Noah, after he, after the ark landed and the waters receded, and Noah basically became a, a, a farmer. And he would do uh, vineyards and with, with, with uh, uh, you know, it was uh, grapes. And one day Noah had a little bit more, a little bit too much to drink. And he got drunk. And he laid in his bed naked, drunk. And one of his sons, the younger son, saw him naked. Saw his, and told his other brothers kind of in a way that he was kind of almost making fun of Noah. And his two older brothers had a little more respect for Noah. And they went in the tent. And they walked backwards so they wouldn't see his brother, his, their dad's naked body with a blanket. And they walked backwards and they covered Noah. Uh, because it was shameful to them. They, they covered Noah's shame, if you would, uh, by a blanket. And thinking about that, we'll go to uh, Genesis chapter 3. There was others in the Bible who needed to be covered as well, other nakedness. And this is Adam and Eve. And in chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Yeah, to me, that's kind of just that passage there is pretty amazing that that they before that they walked with God and walked God walked with him among the garden and had fellowship with God. But that day, they hid themselves. You know, when I kind of titled this message, uh, uh, Clothed in Righteousness. Clothed in Righteousness. And here, Adam and Eve, for the first time, sin separated them from God. For the first time ever, that they were separated from God because of their sin. Adam and Eve were the only persons outside of Jesus Christ. The only persons that for a short period of time, they were not a slave to sin. Imagine that. Other than Jesus Christ, the only persons for a short period of time that were not a slave to sin. Everybody here is a slave to sin. Everybody is a slave to sin. But they were not. 
for a short period of time. I don't know how long that was. But they were utterly not a slave to sin. After that, there was a need for a, a covering. The Bible says they hid themselves among the trees. You know, somebody who, who reads that too far would say, well, God didn't know where they were. You know, they hit themselves and God didn't know where they were. God knew where they were. God knew exactly what tree they were behind. God knows where you are. He knows where I am. He knows. They tried to do the impossible, hide. Hiding from God. You know, David knew, understood this in Psalm 139 when he said, Where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go and make my bed in the depths, you are there also. We cannot hide from God. They try to do that. Adam confesses to God, to his fear, due to his shame, his nakedness. You know, he, he was naked before God before that. But he there was no shame there. But after they sinned, a dread came upon them, a, 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 a shame that they covered themselves. They even made coverings from fig leaves to cover their shame. But that wasn't adequate for them. You know, one thing that I get from this is they were not trying, they were not trying to cover themselves because they were cold. You know, they were not try they didn't try to cover themselves because there was mosquitoes in the garden. They were covering themselves because they were shamed, because they had sinned. They were trying to cover their sin. But they weren't act I think it was fig leaves. They tried to co make coverings and they weren't adequate. The Bible says that in Genesis three twenty one that God himself made them coverings. You know, it's almost like he said, Adam, let me have the needle. And kind of made them personally coverings from animal skins in Genesis 3, 21. You know, what, a, what an amazing act of mercy. What an act of grace that God covered them. You know, God could have said, well, you know what? I told you not to eat from that tree. I told you not to do that. You did it. And as your problem, be in shame your whole life, be in sin your whole life, and that's it. But God had mercy upon them, covered their nakedness. And, you know, you see this amazing, you know, that when Adam said, I, I, I heard you in the garden, I heard the voice of you, and I was afraid. Right? That's what it says. I was afraid. What? I was afraid of the one who built this beautiful garden for me. I was afraid of the one who breathed life into me. I was afraid of the one who all has been is good, have goodness to me. Yet he said, I was afraid because I sinned against you. I was afraid. God covered them. You see this covering motif runs throughout the whole Bible. 
through the whole Bible after that, you see this covering. Once a year, the high priest will go into the tabernacle, will go into the temple, will go into that day of Yom Kippur, and he will go and get animal blood and put it upon the mercy seat to cover the sins of the people. You see that covering motif throughout the whole Bible. Once a year, he will cover, um, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't perfect. The, the high priest had to go once a year, repeat it every year. I wonder how many times they've done it through the whole history. How many times they've done that? A lot of times. But yet Hebrews chapter 10 says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It was temporal. It wasn't it wasn't forever. They had to do it every year, year after year. And this, the same question was asked by many people, how could I be justified before a just God? How could I be made right with God? Every year the high priest had to do that. Every year the high priest had to take an animal and take this blood and do all these different things that they used to do in the Old Testament. And then Christ came, the great high priest. He said, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased, but you have prepared for me a body, the incarnation. You have prepared, as Jesus is coming in the cosmos, he says, you didn't desire, but you have prepared for me a body as he came to earth, born in a manger as a baby. You know, to me, that's an amazing thing. Just thinking about the incarnation, I can't phantom that, how that, you know, God himself became a man. God himself came out of his throne to be born in a manger as a baby. You know, you don't, we don't even have human kings do that. You don't find a human king taking off his crown, taking off his robe, stepping out of his throne to help a people somewhere. You don't find a human. Look at our human history. You don't find that. Sometimes if they're little, they'll send others. But they themselves don't do that. But here in the incarnation, when Jesus came to earth, he himself take, took off his crown. He himself came to earth, was born in a manger, unknown for 30 years. There he was working in Joseph's carpenter shop. And then he was crucified upon a cross. We must have a God who loves us very much. Came to earth, born in a manger, knowing full well what they were going to do to him. Withhold his hand and dies for mankind, dies for us to cover us in righteousness, to cover us. You know, uh, I love Luther's, Martin Luther, the great German reformer, quote, one time he was praying and he was, talking about how can a man be right with God? And it was a snow, it was a snow covered, it was snow, started snowing in Germany and he was looking out of his window. He saw there was animals, cows, and there was like big 
puddle of poop, you know, and dung, they call it dung. And all of a sudden he saw that and then he saw the snow started coming and cover it. And he said, that's who I am. Snow covered dung. Snow covered. That is Christ's righteousness upon me. It is Christ that covers us. We're not valuable. We're just like dung. It is, it is just like the potter that we talked about this morning in the song. Where it's, the, the, it's just mud. It's just mud. It's what's in it that becomes valuable. It is Christ's covering. We can't we can attain it on our own. This salvation, this covering. You know, Isaiah chapter 61 says this, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation. You know, the original Hebrew in Genesis, some translations say that God... Uh, Gave, gave him clothing, clothes them. But the original Hebrew says, he covered them. Amen. He made coverings for them. You know, if we need something today, it's God's covering on us. His covering, his righteousness. It's a foreign righteousness. It doesn't come from our own. It is God himself who covers us. This is kind of the amazing, this is what cults don't understand. They try to cover themselves with other coverings, other things to make them righteous or to make them uh, receive the salvation that they can never get. See, these cults, they give them salvation, but they give it in installments. They don't give them the whole thing. They have to keep coming back, keep coming back. They never are done. But But thank God that God covers us in righteousness, that it is his own righteousness you know, think about that. It is his own righteousness upon, uh, upon us, upon me. This is what produces salvation. This is what, is what the Bible says is a gift of God that he covers us in righteousness. Thank God that we don't have filthy rags. Thank God that we don't have just stained rags, just things that that's what our works do. do. Bible, that's what he exactly says. It's just filthy rags unto the Lord. But thank God that God covers us like this snow-covered dung. Luther, that's what sparked his, his, his doctrine on justification by faith is this snow-covered dung, he said. You know, he said this right here is the, 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 the main hinge, he said, in which salvation turns. He said, it is a sheaf article in which salvation flows. It alone begets, nourishes, defends the church of God. Without this doctrine, the church cannot stand, he said, that we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, that it is God who covers us in righteousness. Would you stand with me? You know, this, this doctrine here, every cult has it wrong. Every cult has it wrong. They don't believe that you're saved, that it is Christ's righteousness only that produces salvation. They want to introduce that, but also introduce works and performance and things like that and membership and all these different things into the church. But it is Christ's own garments of salvation. 
It is his own righteousness that produces salvation as a gift. How many thank God for that? That it is through his gift of salvation that we are saved, that keeps us, that continues, that, that not only for now, but it is for all eternity. He saves us. He, he, you know, just amazing. You know, what, what an amazing God we have. This is why he died for. This is why he came to bring us this garment of salvation, to bring us this justification, this redemption, this atonement from that is from Christ alone in us. Would you just close your eyes there for a moment and let's just thank God this morning for this justification, for this covering. There is nowhere better to be than in Christ covering in his atonement in his salvation thank you father for what you've done for us that you send your son to die for us and give us this salvation we give you all the honor and all the glory this morning because it wasn't because of that we would be doomed but it is through your faith your, your your salvation through your work that you made satisfaction for us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Church, again, I'd like to thank you guys for everything you guys do. You guys have been with our ministry and helped us there. We actually couldn't do this without churches like this that helped us tremendously. Everything you do, you know, please uh, consider helping us for the city project because it's coming around pretty quick. And I have to send funds in uh, to, in, in Mexico. So a friend of mine in Mexico City, he, he has a recording studio. He does it for me, so he's got a i got to send it to him. He's got to send all these back, so it takes quite a while. But I need to get it in before, uh, so I'll be ready in October for the general conference. So thank you very much, and I'll be giving you a report after that, see how that went. But I appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you. Thank you.